Hi friend, welcome to episode 26 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. Today, I talk with Frank Gallagher of Logger and Tea. Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you in it Every day I wanna stop and think about you host, Sally Adams. Every week, I talk to people about making original work for a live audience. Leave your comments, give a review, or send an email to sally at sallypal.com. Your ideas keep great conversations coming every Monday evening. Thanks for sharing the podcast and the blog. Check out sallypal.com join. There's a free 20-page theater resource. It's a glossary of live performance support you'll need for your show. Get one today. In episode 26, you'll hear Frank Gallagher of Logger and Tea, a musical performance art father and daughter team. Many people listening in Tulsa might know Frank as a regular theater director for Heller Theater and Clark Youth Theater, among others. He's changed direction as he and his daughter, award-winning published poet Mercy Teague, have joined forces to create new works for live audiences. I've included YouTube links in the show notes to early performances. The poetry alone is worth your time. Frank's guitar counterpoint is beautifully realized. Listen until the end of the interview for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Let's get started. Welcome to Sally Pal. Oh, well, it's so cool to be here. And of course, you and I have known each other for a long time, but we haven't been able to connect in a long time. So this is great. You have a background in working with young people and adults in creating new work. Yes. You're taking all that experience of creation and putting together a show, and now you're funneling that energy into some new projects having to do with music, which is something I didn't even know you did until fairly recently. Yeah, it, it's my new passion right now. I've been doing theater for a kind of a long time, but really when you get down to it, I've done music a lot longer. I was just never really all that good at it. <laughs> And then when I found out I was, it was more naturally good at theater, I was gravitated to that for like 25 years. I have just gotten all enamored of picking up the guitar, playing the guitar. My daughter is a published poet and a prize-winning poet. I'm, you know, I'm very taken with her work, of course. There's a lot of depth to her work. And I was looking for, you know, I don't know, a, a venue to perform. I've been doing some coffee shops and stuff. But it occurred to me, my daughter's looking for a venue to perform her work. Now that she's a mother with two kids, she doesn't get as much chance to go out to the coffee shops and perform. So why don't we do something together? I will write stuff backing your poems. And that has really turned out to be so interesting. My instrumental work on guitar is certainly not on, a, on as high a level as, as a lot of people's, but it's it's also self-taught, so to some extent it's a little different than anybody else is doing. And I write instrumental things, solo guitar to her work. The challenge is like, it's almost like writing a movie score, because you've got to write moment to moment. The rhythm never stays the same. It always is changing with whatever her rhythms are. And finding ways to support that and not just pluck chords. Certainly your heart is in this for oh, sure. My daughter, yeah. Uh-huh. And I know that you and your daughter have a great relationship anyway. She's been writing for a long time. Yeah. This isn't new for her either. 
No, and she's had lots of opportunities to perform live. Coffee shops, she's been invited back to places, and she's performed at uh, home readings where, like, she's one of three poets that go to a house and read. You know, when she was in college, she was a writing major. You know, it's funny I didn't discourage her from doing that. Her skills, besides just writing skills, are all the performance skills. They've come up, and I've my theater background, I've actually worked with her on getting a performance level of poetry reading. So she's not just looking down at the paper. She is performing the poem. So there's, a, there's all this kind of synthesis going on back and forth. Well, once you get past the presentational phase, once you get past that and getting into the deeper, juicier stuff, then it's about... Collaboration. It really is. Yeah, collaboration, not only with each other, but with the audience. It's about revealing deeper truths... I would love to hear how you are able to take what she's saying in her poetry, both on the page and in expressing it. How do you, I don't know what the word is, theatricalize it? And the the challenge is that every poem is different. And so far, I mean, you know, we've been doing it for a short enough time that there is no system, and it's probably the better for that there is no system. The latest one is kind of an interesting example of that, but it's unique. It's about, let's see, I think the first words of her poem is in the beginning, and she starts talking about electrons and protons and negative and positive charges, and I couldn't recite any of it back to you because I'm, you know, it's got a lot of humor to it. And, you know, she talks about how all these particles, positively and negatively charged, turned into uh, water, sky, planets, lions, tigers, bears, and me. And it goes pretty fast. And I'm like, that's such an interesting poem. And it's got humor, and it's got rhythm, and it's got all this stuff going on. You know, not even talk about the themes of good and evil, which are hidden underneath all of this as well. The poem ends with Eve handing an Adam an apple, and, and Adam says, oh, my dear, you are so kind. I was just playing on the guitar thinking about the poems. It was really all about these particles, and they're buzzing around, and she buzzes around when she says it. So I just started doing, you know, and I just started doing this sort of, I don't know, improvisational little bursts of notes that sounded like particles to me, like atoms bumping into each other. And that's where it started. And then she started talking about, you know, the water, the waves, and all of a sudden it turned into more of a wavy kind of thing. I put this one together really fast, which means like a week or, you know, that's really fast to try to put something like this together. And then at one point, it's like I'm just hitting the side of the guitar and I'm scraping on the string. So it's like, <laughs> because it's, it feels right at that moment. So that's the idea is like, what, what works with this moment? And I've never made noises on the guitar. You play chords, right? That's the best I can do most of the time. But it's like, oh, she's talking about confusion and, and particles like not knowing what to do and there's negative and positive charges and just bump, bump, beep. And I did that for a while and it all seemed to work together. What kind of response are you getting? Are people reacting to it? Because it sounds like, it sounds really cool. <laughs> well, we did a zombie poem with me doing a sound like trying to recreate zombie movie music. Uh, and we did uh, a poem called Wake, which is about a funeral. And then I sang one of my songs after each one of these. So it was like zombie poem, fun little song about amphibians, Wake, and a very quiet song about death. We did this just as an open mic. This is the first time we'd been rehearsing for like a week and a half at The Colony, which is a relatively high-profile music venue, but they do a, an open mic night, you know, like once a week. And I was stunned at the response. Like, everybody got quiet. Everybody turned to us and listened. Everybody, like, stopped talking and stopped drinking beer and were listening to us. I said, well, that's got to be kind of cool. And people came up afterwards. When I first walked into it, I know the guy who runs it because I go and play my songs there all the time. 
I said, Dan, I'm going to be here with my daughter. She's going to do poetry, and I'm going to play guitar. And he just looked at me in stark terror, <laughs> like, oh, my God, <laughs> please do not do this to me. And I said, don't worry about it. You're going to love it. And, the, and everybody did. Everybody did. So anyway, we've done coffee shops. We get pretty good reactions. We did full nights at the Mainline Bar, a couple of full nights at the Mainline Bar, which is downtown, and a full night at the Enso Bar. And, you know, the Enso, there was like, you know, eight people, and I think I knew every one of them. But on the main line, there was a nice crowd. There was like 15 people in. And again, people were listening. People seemed to respond very well. As you're doing it, do you ever think what we really need here is... The last time we did it, we did it with a percussionist. So you had a percussionist. We did. We had a percussionist. Oh, it's the, it's the natural thing. I mean, you caught right on. This is the natural thing to add to it would be percussion. Yeah. You know, and I said, bring your chimes. Don't just bring the drum that you sit on, the box drum or whatever that is. You know, bring bring some uh, some high-end instruments, some triangles or something. And he did. He did great. You know, he's a very confident player. In its way, it sounds like a jazz combo. That's how I think about it. I told Mercy this. I said, don't think about this me accompanying your poem. You really have to think about this as like, and I said that word. I said jazz. It's like a jazz piece. We are playing off of each other because your timing has to hear my guitar playing because otherwise the percussion player couldn't, you know, he's got to listen, right? I said, you have to listen just like I got to listen. Yeah, you got two or three people creating a single instrument or a single experience. Right. Yes. All at the same time. And you all have to listen so hard. And there's a lot of improvisation on the musician's part. Do you feel like she gets in the mix in terms of upping her game improvisationally? She is learning that. You know, I know I'm bragging on my daughter. I realize that. But she is a compelling poet to to listen to live. She was so good at it that when we started playing together, she simply recreated those performances every time. And it took a while for us both to realize that's not what we're going for. We are looking for a new sort of creation where we're, it's like a jazz, like we're giving and taking. She sings, by the way. She sings harmony on my songs. The act is the poetry and the songs. She's learning much more about how to change what she's doing because she's listening to me just as I'm changing what I'm doing as I'm listening to her. Have you encouraged her to work in any vocalese in her in her presentation of the poetry? We've talked about it, and, she, and one of the things we've talked about, she, she's got it in one of her poems already. In fact, it's in Wake. And I'm not familiar with the song. She's known the song a long time. Ain't no arrest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees. So she sings like a, some of that before she goes into her poem. It feels very integral. It feels very integral to it. She's not really sure how to go from there. She's talked about it, but she says nothing's really come to her. Well, it may be that you all are jamming one day on a poem, and it it just comes out. It might not be appropriate for every poem, but I'm sure as you guys explore, there's a part of her that's like she has to step away from this is my dad to... This is an artist and a peer. Yeah, we're definitely working towards that, which is a very interesting experience with your daughter. Tell me about it. I know all your kids, you know, they become colleagues at a certain point when you're, you know, all sharing an art form. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Frank, there is a point when they become adults that you start to realize that you you stop feeling proud and you start being impressed. Yeah, right. Exactly. I didn't really have anything to do with this thing you just created that I'm really wowed by. Yeah, so I'm sure you feel that way about your daughter. I do, I do. And how fun that you get to play with her. Yeah, I know that's an incredible blessing, Un, you know, almost beyond dreams, really. And the fact that she really goes for it. I mean, there's always that little part of me, oh, she's just doing it because I'm her old man. 
you know, but she seems to be eager. I said, uh, do you have any time to rehearse this? Yes. When can we rehearse? I want to rehearse more. You know, it's like, whoa, awesome. Oh, that's so great. And you see your kids grow up in that way, you know, because the art matures you and you see that maturity reflected in their art. And, and her kids are growing up with it, too. They Musically, they're so precocious, but the whole... His side of the family as well is very, very musical. Musically, they're both very precocious, perhaps even more so with the younger one who's just turned four like two days ago. He seems to have almost like perfect pitch. What is it about this experience that, because obviously it's different from what you've done in the past, but it's still a performing art. What is it that drives you? Well, if we're comparing it to theater, in the past years, I made my living doing theater. Incredibly lucky, right? Oklahoma, who, how many people can say that? Absolutely. It was hard to do a show when I was working two nights a week on my full-time job. Took out a lot of rehearsal time. I've only directed one play since then and one short. It's not satisfying if I don't feel like I can give it my best. And I'm lazy. I mean, it was a part of my 40. Great. I'll spend tons of time doing it. But if it's not part of my 40, then it becomes a little bit more, and I'm 60 almost 65 years old, so I'm freaking tired at this point, you know. <laughs> I didn't feel like I had the energy and the time to give it my best, and I began to get a little bit more discouraged about doing it. I did some lighting for several of the companies around town. Theater North, for the first time, I was able to work with, and I was very happy to do that for them. Music, I can come home from work, and I can, and do sometimes, spend two hours just playing the guitar, thinking about how I want to write this, working on my technique, because my... My fingers have never worked like a real guitarist. I'm always a little catch-up because my technique's not the best. But I can work as much as I want. I can spend all weekend. I can play five hours on a Saturday if I want to. And so I can devote myself more fully right now to this smaller project. Writing guitar for poems is, at least for me, a completely new art form. I wrote songs all my life. This is totally different. It sounds like you're going from what was more a broad surface, you know, lots of stuff on the surface to something that's truly a deep dive. I mean, you talk about it being small. You can look at a well dig for an oil company and it looks very small, but it goes hundreds of feet deep. I'm still dealing with emotions. I'm still trying to find ways to express emotion because that's primarily what I'm doing, right? It's, it's you know, I, I guess it's talking about the, the, the protons and the, and the electrons, it sounds a little intellectual, but really what I'm doing is I'm trying to express the emotion. Well, and you're also interacting with another artist and trying to feel what they're bringing. Yeah, yeah. That's very intuitive, and that's all about feeling the emotion of the piece through the other artist. The excitement is doing something new at 65. Okay, and I, I'm, you know, looking ahead, I know I can't retire yet, but I'm retiring within about a year, but within 15 months, we'll say. I'm going to work in the arts, but only the stuff I want to do. I don't, I'm not going to go work to make money. I have, believe it or not, amazingly enough, I'm going to have enough money in retirement, so I don't have to go out and work as a Walmart reader. Huzzah! What the hell am I going to do? Well, i got to find something <laughs> that interests me then. Right. Because otherwise, I'm just going to sit home and watch TV. This has done that, and not just working with Mercy, but rediscovering the guitar, rediscovering writing. And of course, then, with the extra time, I certainly hope I can get back into doing theater, directing, doing lights, you know, doing that kind of work again. I, I plan on it. You sound like you feel younger than you are. <laughs> Other people have said that, yeah, so I don't feel old. I Sometimes I get tired. You know, hey, everybody gets tired. I'm excited about the things I do. 
uh, except at my 40 hours at work, unfortunately. But other than that, I'm excited about what I do. I don't have enough time. And so that's why I'm looking forward to retirement, not so I can rest, but so I can go out and play some poker again. So I can, I, I'm into game design and I have done some game design. You're kidding. So tell me more about that. Well, uh, I'm kind of a board game geek. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, you know, I, I play a game and go, you know, if I could probably make a better game than this. It would be more fun if we did it this way and that way. I've designed, I've actually submitted a couple of designs to a game company, actually. And uh, one of them, they were interested in for a while. It didn't work out, but that's kind of, you know, it was the fir- my first design, my first complete design ever. So the fact that they got them interested in it for a couple of months was kind of cool. You know, I get better at it as I, as I work on more designs, more ideas. But yeah, so there's that too. So yeah, it's just like find something to do. Find something to do. So it sounds like you have got lots of creative juices flowing. It sounds like you've got a lot of ideas and things that you want to try. Yeah, I do. I do. I hope I, I hope I carry through with it when I actually, you know, retire. I'm trying to carry through with it now. You know, I have to sort of make myself occasionally, but yeah. You know, you will on some and on some you might not. And that's the way of life. You know, you don't have to do every, every idea you ever, like George and I, he always says, I'm the idea man, you know, I'm like, but I, we don't have to follow through on every idea that comes across the pike. That's true. And yeah, absolutely. The ones that are worth following through on. Yeah. Yeah. It's the right fit. You got to find, you know, like I love to play poker, but if I played it all the time, I'd lose all my money. So I believe that. Well, what would you tell someone who was creeping toward retirement and felt like they needed some creative outlet and didn't quite know what to do with themselves? Don't be afraid to try something new. That's been the biggest thing for me is like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and I'll, I like my dad said and watch sports for too much of his retirement. What did you always want to do that you never did? I mean, you know, try it, find something, pick up an instrument. You know, or pick up the instrument that you played when you were in high school. You know, I mean, there's that. George got started late in life in, in theater, didn't he? He did. He was in his 50s. Picked up the trumpet last year. No way, really? Oh, he didn't play it much right now, but, you know, every once in a while he picks it up and dinks around. And It's okay. It's okay. That's what, you know. He wrote another novel. He's got another one in the, a third, third one in the works. You know? Oh, my God, really? Anyone can pick up a pen or open up their word processor and put something down. Maybe that's what works. Uh, anyone can go audition for a community theater. Community theaters always need actors, and anyone can go audition. Everybody is good enough to necessarily get cast, but most people can get cast once or twice, actually, because people theaters always need actors. Certainly, if you want to sing, there are community choirs in in so many towns. Yes, exactly. Here, I mean, my uh, my coworker has a beautiful voice. Keeps talking about going out and doing what does her. She knows several groups. But it's kind of like, oh, I like to get in bed early, and I don't like to, you know. I said, just go, you know. Hopefully, you know, at some point she said, I'm going to go do it because I have to have something to do besides work. I talked to a guy today in D.C. uh, who runs the Improv for All education program, and he talks about a gal who came to their Improv for All free workshop to learn what improv is. And she took the workshop. She's an older lady. And he said she just got so excited. She was tired. She didn't want to go. And then she went. She was scared. And she said the end of it, she felt so elated. Then she came back, started taking classes. I think people would be amazed that this creative process is actually invigorating. You know, my spiritual beliefs include the fact that we are made to create. Do you ever wonder if that's what 
if that's what's meant by in the creator's image. Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is exactly. The, the creator's image is to be a creator. That's the image of the creator. Subduing the earth is our creations bring order to chaos. And that happens in our lives and it can happen in a society level as well. And when we don't value all aspects of that, technology is part of that, of course, you know, when we don't value all aspects of that, then we're missing out on crucial aspects. The arts are created to entertain people. You know, nothing wrong with entertaining people. That's a, that's a good thing. And when we create, you know, you want, we want to find something that we can share. I'm not a big believer in, in just, you know, sitting in your room and, and never sharing your work. Now, most of what I do is, is sitting and composing, and I love that. I seek out uh, opportunities to go share that. They don't have to love me. They don't have to think I'm the best thing that ever came down the pike. But usually there are people who are going to be out there, and they hear it, and they appreciate it, and they tell me they they come out and, you know, they, they like it. They come see me the second time. They come see me the third time. Everybody, I believe, has something that they can share in that way. And maybe it's not always in the art, but it's something that's creative that you, that you continue, you can work on for all your life. You know, you might really enjoy the podcast with David Colocolo. He's a young spoken word artist. There are some very strong spiritual aspects to his work. He said, you can create it in solitude, but it, it's meant to be shared in community. Yes, absolutely. Community and honesty, I couldn't agree more. The temptation for me is probably for most artists is like, well, that means I'm looking for fame or I'm looking for someone to validate me. And that's not what it is. It's a gift to someone else and they don't have to receive it. That's okay. Right, right. But you, you go out there not looking to get something back, although so much, many times you do. To look out there and say, hey, you know, I've created something, I share it. I go back to my room and create something else and go out there and share it. Uh, if you don't share it, you're missing part, you're missing a crucial part of that process. Well, doing anything in community is just awfully exciting, I think. That, that's why I prefer rehearsal over performance almost. Yeah, you know, I do too. Because there's a real sense that everybody is in community, whereas sometimes you get the feeling the audience comes and sits uh, and, and waits to have a play put on them as opposed to being participants in the experience. Or there's too much pressure or you worry about, you know, did they like it or not? And, and it's really, it's so much better just to say, let's just create because it's fun to create. And then we share that experience of having experienced that creation. Right. Yeah, I've been trying to do this podcast for a long time. The whole concept behind it was to encourage people who might have an inkling that they want to do something creative that's meant to be shared with a live audience but they don't know how or they're afraid. They're afraid. They tell themselves that they're no good. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard, and, and I won't be any good at it. And George would never have gotten involved in theater if, if it was like, well, I've never done it before. I won't try now. I didn't get into theater until I was 40. Is that right? I went back to school at 39 and took my first theater class when I was 40, and, and then I got a degree in theater later. <laughs> you were doing music before that? Yeah, I was playing music when I was a kid, um, guitar, and again, completely, I, you know, for the wrong reason. I wanted to be a big, famous rock and roll star, and I was so bad. I'm not kidding. I really was, because all I cared about was, is this going to, are people going to validate me? And it wasn't sharing what I created. It was like, I want to play for you so you can tell me how good I am. And I understand that temptation because I, I went through that as a kid. And still, you know, the temptation, I think, is always now. My teacher even said this, and he was a world-class theater performance artist. He said, every time someone comes to see my show, I want it to be the best thing they've ever seen. 
which means he wants them to tell him that it's the best thing they've ever seen. I get that, you know, but but eventually that is an unrewarding attitude. Eventually it's like I have a gift, you know, and I want to I want to share it with you because I had so much fun creating it and hopefully you'll get some some small part of that. We don't want to be ego driven, but ego's part of it though. Yeah. I love creating, love being in the arts. It's been a, a real blessing in my life and it still is and that's the thing. I mean, I, I can continue to do that. So again, I'll I'll never forget the look on on Dan's face when I told him the very first time we performed. She's gonna do poems and I'm gonna play behind her. He was just like, "Oh my God, please shoot me now!" <laughs> and, he, and I, you know, I ask him afterwards. He says, "No, you were great." I say, "Well, yeah, it's just kind of hard to describe." We are going by Logger and T on YouTube. L A G E R and T Gallagher and Teague. Her last name is Teague. Love it. <laughs> Logger and T. Well, cool. I'm just so excited about what you're doing. It sounds cool and different and interesting. You'll find people who are very excited by what you're doing and want to create a dialogue. Yeah, I'd love to get involved in that aspect of it. Yeah, well, that's one of the gifts of the internet, my friend. The internet, that's a big thing now, isn't it? I hear a lot <laughs> so of people I hear. Using it. I don't know. I'll, I'll check into it, maybe. <laughs> if they find me, that's good. SallyPal.com. Okay. Frank, it is just a joy to talk with you. Thank you so much. Ditto, ditto, Sally. And uh, really looking forward to coming out and seeing you all this summer. <laughs> It's now time for Concise Advice from the Interview. A short version of tips from my guest, guitar maverick Frank Gallagher. Get up, get up. Here are 10 great bits of advice for people on their second wind artistically. Number 10. Don't be afraid to try something new. Number 9. Try something you always wanted to do that you never did. Number eight, do not sit and watch TV in your retirement. Number seven, pick up the instrument you played in high school. Number six, you are made to be a creator. Number five, art is not as satisfying unless you can give it your best, not someone else's best, your best. Number four, Doing something new at 65 is exciting. Number three, your art is a gift you can give to others. Number two, seek out opportunities to share your original work. And the number one piece of advice from guitar maverick Frank Gallagher? Find something to do. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Check out the blog sallypal.com for articles and podcast episodes. Sign up for a free creator's notebook insert at sallypal.com join. And for the person who asked, there's an iTunes link in the sidebar to my CD that has the song Stop for a Minute that you hear pieces of during the podcast. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, reviewing, joining, and thank you for listening. I want you to pursue your dream to have original work on the stage in front of a live audience. It's scary, but I'm here with resources, encouragement, and a growing community of people like us. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in Pal stands for Performing Arts Lab. Now, I have a bit of wisdom from George, my husband, the coolest guy on the planet. Well, George, what's your wisdom for today? Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end.
said, George. Well said. Excellent advice indeed. If you're downloading and listening on your drive to work, or falling asleep to my hoop-de-doo like my sister does, let me know you're out there. I want to help you create original shows for a live audience. All the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Now, find something to do! Think about you Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you Every day I wanna stop and think about you I like that. Hoop-de-doo. <laughs> no, wait. Now. Well said, George. I can from the, from the internet. Magical machine there. You're not gonna hear nothing next time. That's not right. <laughs> Nobody gets to do or hear nothing. Uh, that's not right. What am I gonna say this time? Let me try that one more time. Lunch is attacking. Let's try that one again. Next week. Oh, who will we hear next week? I gotta get a new theater resource. Falling asleep to my hoop-de-doo? Okay. That's just silly. Next time you'll hear, uh... Something, something, something. It's the mailman. Is Charlie asleep? It's the mailman. Did you get the mailman?